What's happening all? Welcome to another episode of Straight Shooting alongside AJ Riley. I'm Matt Basson. Before we get into everything, got to remind you guys to like and subscribe everywhere you can find us. Be Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, full episodes on YouTube, as well as DetroitSportsNation.com. AJ, our Tigers did not lose the series this weekend. Thank you, Rain Out. <laughs> the Guardians took game one on Friday. We took game three on Sunday. Game two will be played again at another date and yes. time. But yes. we didn't lose the series. <laughs> no, we didn't. And truthfully, watching that game Friday night, there's no reason we should have lost that game either. And it's starting to build in me a theory of how unlucky this team is. And I'm not trying to blow smoke. Like, they have not performed and they have not been hitting for power as evidenced by their isolated power. The statistic on baseball reference is a putrid, like, 0.95, like, 0.095. It's terrible. It takes into account, like, all your extra base hits is what that statistic does. And it's terrible as a team. So there's definitely some like bad production, but you also have to look at this team and go, man, they are incredibly unlucky, incredibly unlucky. And my case in point is this Friday night. We're watching. I'm watching the game. Yeah. Guys on second and third one out. Scooble is cruising on the defensive side of the ball, but on the offensive side of the ball, you've actually got something cooking guys on second and third one out. Jonathan Scope up to bat hits a seed right at the third baseman who's standing on third base. Doubled him up. And I was just like, man, that's just that is just incredibly unlucky. Now, if you dive into the numbers a little bit, the team as a whole is, has a hard hit rate of about 35%, which is not great. Their batting average on balls in play, though, is about a 279, which is okay. A little bit unlucky, but they need to hit the ball harder. And I think that's proved by the fact that they are not hitting for extra bases. Add to the unluckiness. They have had all five starters in their rotation down on injury now. Eduardo Rodriguez. Casey Mize. Matt Manning. Michael Pineda. It's if you tow the rubber at Detroit, at Comerica Park, you are going down with an injury. And it's unlucky. Yeah. No, very much so. I mean, you left out the biggest one with Scoot, with uh, mm-hmm. Scoot get, taking a shot right back at him when he's dealing. Like, it, it's just, it's absolutely unlucky. And, I mean, it definitely plays a bit of a factor into these this Tigers team because how else do you explain the fact that there are literally nine teams in baseball that have allowed fewer runs than the Detroit Tigers? That's it. Nine teams. So you figure the Tigers would be in the top two in the division with numbers like that. But just like you said before, with the other side, there is not a single team in baseball that has a worse offense than the Detroit Tigers with 110 runs scored, the worst by a mile, including the Cincinnati Reds. So it's it's bad offense, and we've talked about this, the plate appearances and the lack of hard-hit balls and the methodology of how they're coming to the plate in the first place and just lack of patience, lack of production, leaving runners in scoring mm-hmm. position like crazy. It's just it's just a mix of everything bad 
including luck. Including luck. And there was a great article put out by Shea Brophy on Detroit Sports Nation, and he does this every week, a, a week in review, like Detroit Tigers by the numbers. And the numbers are brutal when you look at what they did last week. Um, I encourage you to go and look at that article because, to be honest with you, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but like Javi was only 3 for 19 last week. Not great, not terrible, a little bit better than the 200 that he was hitting, but it's just entering the game Monday night with the Twins, they were at 40 games. And the old adage from the great and beloved Sparky Anderson is you can tell what a team is after their first 40 games. And as much as I love Sparky Anderson, I'm going to disagree with that mm -hmm. a little bit as far as this team is concerned. Because I take the Tommy Lasorda approach, which is if you break the season down by thirds, 54 games, you're going to lose... 54 games you're gonna win 54 games and what makes you a good team or a bad team is what you do with the middle third of those 54 games i don't think 40 games is a large enough sample size and at some point the luck has got to turn around i mean for crying out loud we make a trade for austin meadows and the man goes down with vertigo and is on the 10-day il and now there's reports coming out that they're very concerned about his health, which, and that's not Austin Meadows' fault. I wish him the speediest of recoveries. I hope that he's well because our lineup is better when he's in it. And so I like everybody wants to jump off the bandwagon, and I'm again, I'm not like hitting the emergency brake at this point with this team. It's one of those things that we have to continue to be patient because. Yes, they should be better than what their record indicates right now, but they are also a team that has dealt significantly with significant injuries to some of the most important people in their lineup and on their team. Mm -hmm. So let's let's see what happens in Minnesota. Let's see what happens with the Guardians when they come to Comerica Park this weekend, and then they take on Minnesota again at Comerica Park next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So these this next stretch of games is going to be a very good indication of where they're going to line up in the Central. And truth be told, I got my fingers crossed a little bit that the ship gets right. Obviously, we all have our fingers, cr fingers crossed that we hope the ship gets righted. But, you know, these next 10 games you're talking about with two series against the Twins and one against the Guardians, that's almost to 54 games, It AJ. will be. You're talking about the 54 games. You don't like the 40-game one. It was only 14 games more. And in these next 10 games, two series against the Twins and one against the Guardians, are you really expecting more than three wins? Yes. You mm -hmm. are. I am. But I'm also overly what optimistic reason? here. Because I understand, ba like, baseball is a roller coaster of a season. And we can't get any lower than we've been. At some point, it has to turn around. And like I always do with Michigan football, I always am waiting for the other shoe to drop with the Tigers in a positive way. And so I'm hoping that that other shoe drops and starts to right the ship.
Do I have any, like, empirical evidence that they're going to turn things around? No. Just a hope and a prayer. Just a hope and a prayer, man. That's it. All right. I'm looking up the 2003 Detroit Tigers. Don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. The worst team. And no, 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 I'm doing it because I want to find out if there was anyone on that team that hit 300 because there's nobody on this team hitting 300 right now. That's how bad this team has been. Every single player has been terrible in the line. I've already addressed Every single one. And I can't think, look, I can't think of a team where every single person couldn't get a bat on the ball. Not one yeah, player who can confidently get a bat, including Miguel Cabrera, who has shown signs of being himself at times, but for the most part has well, not. Well, here, let me, while and you're so, looking that up. Javi Baez has not done well, it yet Well, yes, either. but while you're looking that up, let me explain something that happened yesterday, or on Sunday that is, I think, a good sign. Damn it. What? <laughs> who hit 300 in the two? No one hit 300. Nope, the closest I'm seeing is 289, and that was Alex Sanchez. Okay, this team is not that team. Oh, wait, nope, yep. This team is not that team. Nope, 297, Dimitri Young. Dimitri Young coming in hot with almost 300. Anyway, one of the things that I've noticed with Javi over these first 40 games is he is spinning himself into the ground, which we knew he was a free swinger to begin with, but his timing has been mm-hmm. terrible. He's been way out in front of balls, rolling over, grounding out a lot. Not getting the ball in the air. It's been it's been mm-hmm. bad. That one swing on Sunday where he hit a home run on a missile to right center field is a good sign. Is a good sign because every time we like coach players or talk about players that are rolling over and are and their timing is off we always tell them, let the ball travel. Let the ball travel. Force yourself to drive it to that right center field gap. And if how, and that pitch was not necessarily an outside pitch. It was more of a, not straight down the middle, like it was a, a good swing and a good hit. Him letting the ball travel and not trying to kill the ball so far out in front of home plate is going to do him wonders moving forward. And I hope, I hope that when he made contact with that ball on Sunday, he was like, click and he's he's working out that timing and the other thing with Javi is this we knew what he was when we signed him he's gonna make great defensive plays he's gonna turn some routine plays more interesting than they need to be and he's a free swinger but the one thing about Javi that we have not seen in his career and he's it's kind of happening right now is he's truly never been a leader of a team. And when we signed him this off season and gave him the dollars that we gave him, we made him the de facto leader of a team. That's not his role. He's an energy guy. He's an up. He's a down. He He's not a steady, consistent guy for him to be as successful as we need him to be. He needs his Anthony Rizzo his Chris Bryant around him that are the leaders of the team so he can just go out there and play free. And right now, it just looks like he has so much pressure on himself to perform and to lead that he's not handling it well. And so hopefully, you would hope that at some point, somebody would get a hold of him and just be like, listen, man, 
Just play ball. Just play ball. That's what they all need to do. They're all trying way too hard. That's what they all need to they're, do. They're all just like pressing. That's what they all need to do. Everybody's trying to hit the ball at the ballpark. We've talked about it before. Take the Chipper Jones approach and just try to hit the ball as hard as you can through the wall. Through the wall. Now, I'll tell you one person that I'm impressed with, and you're going to laugh at me, but Jamer Candelario, man. That guy, the way that he has been approaching his at-bats and drawing walks and getting 8, 9, 10 pitches per at-bat, I know the average is not there. I know the power is not there. But his approach is what needs to be rubbing off on everybody else because, Mm -hmm. man, Friday night I was like super impressed with the way that he handled the pitching staff of the Cleveland Indians. He just was taking balls left, fouling them off, getting deep into counts. Just a fantastic approach, and we need more of that because we're obviously striking out way too much and not walking nearly. Yeah, (laughs) that is absolutely an understatement. But I, I appreciate the, the plus side of, of Candelario. With the, I've, we've had this conversation plenty of times. I appreciate patience at the plate and making the pitcher work for it. So that side of it, yeah. The batting average, I could do with another 80 points. Well, yeah. <laughs> <to it>. But <laughs> for any of them, you could deal that. I, I just, um, listen, I just can't yeah. see a summer where it's this bad. I can't. I'm not going to let myself believe that it's going to be this bad all summer long. I'm not going and maybe I'll eat my words come August. But this team is not a 90 loss team. It's not. Can't be. I mean, so what do you do if it is? <laughs> oh, man, what you do is you rethink the way that you've built this team. You've got a ton of arms. So maybe you ship some of those younger arms off for some people that could actually hit the ball. Might work. Well, if anyone wants to come to Detroit, it doesn't matter. I mean, Javi wanted to. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, when people get to Detroit, I'm so disappointed in this team. I I had so much hope in this team this year. Not not giant, ridiculous. Oh my God, we're in the World Series. Hope no improvement. Hope hope that we were going to see a good, competent ball club this year that should be above 500. I bet they're closer to 500 this year than you think. In AJ Hinch. I bet they end the season as of right now, or you at the end of the year. <laughs> end of the well, season. We know what they are right now, but I bet they end the season close to or at maybe a game above five hundred, which would take miracle baseball from here on out. But I'm telling you, it's not a ninety loss team. But that's the thing is that it, it won't take miracle, miracle baseball because our pitching staff has kept us in they games. Have. So if the hitting can get going again, nine teams. That's it. Nine teams in all of baseball have allowed less runs than the Detroit Tigers. Mm-hmm. So you have half the game right Mm -hmm. there. It's just the fact that you are literally the worst offense in all of baseball right now. So obviously your team is not going to be doing well. And the fact that we don't have the worst record in all of baseball is because we've allowed so few runs in general. 100%. So it's the only reason that we are not more embarrassing than, than the Cincinnati Reds. Well. Who have gotten a lot better since their horrible, horrible start. Yeah. As far as record, at least. Uh, I mean, so it's got to get better. It's got to get something's got to change. They, it's got to get better. It can't get worse. No. It really can't get worse. I don't see how it's possible for this team to be worse. You could literally have Javi and 
and Miggy and Torkelson all get injured and have AAA kids taking their spots, it still couldn't be that much worse. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. All right, let's move on. The hot topic in baseball these last couple days, a little bit of a, a verbal spat between Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson. Yeah, your look, that that's my head thinking about this whole situation. I literally don't even know what to make of this situation because if what Donaldson says is true, then it's a whole bunch of nothing. But if he if it's not he said, if none of this stuff about the Sports Illustrated and in 2019 that Anderson said he was going to be the next Jackie Robinson, yeah. he's bringing that excitement back to baseball and all that stuff, if that's what this is based off of, then what's the big deal? But by the way Anderson reacted and the fact that it seems like it's pretty well known that Anderson does not like Donaldson, a lot of people do not like Donaldson <laughs> in the game of baseball. Yeah. So why would you have an inside joke with someone that you don't really get along right. with unless it's some sort of competitive rivalry thing that, you know, that I can understand a little bit. But I don't know what to make of this because I don't know what's real. Yeah, and, and that's the tough thing about a situation like this, right, is you don't know what's real. Um, and that competitive rivalry, there needs to be a mutual respect. But if that mutual respect is not there then comments like that should not be made. And it's really hard to determine. I, I really truthfully think a few years ago we had a situation with Adam Jones at Fenway Park. Do you remember that? And Kurt Schilling basically told him oh, yeah. to shut up, right? Mm -hmm. To me, I think that this is a little bit different of a situation because that was Adam Jones, his word, and then Kurt getting in the middle of it. I don't – let's start with Tim Anderson. First of all, I can't stand the guy, but I cannot hate the way that he plays baseball. Man, I love watching him play. Like, mm -hmm. and I probably can't stand him because he's a Chicago White Sox. Fair. But <laughs> I love the way that that man plays baseball. I was looking – I literally was looking up his stats trying to disprove, like, this whole, like – Jackie Robinson thing. Dude, you're not comparable. And I could not find a flaw. His defense is a little shaky. But I'm like, and then I watched the game last night, and he hits a three-run jack in Yankee Stadium, and I'm like, man, okay. I really cannot hate you. Like, I can't. I I want to dislike you, but I can't because I love the way that you play baseball. Now, do I think that his comment about Jackie Robinson may be a little bit off base? I mean, <laughs> what do you expect him to be? It's, it's like Kobe coming in and saying he wants, he wants to be better than Are you crazy for saying it? Sure, you're crazy for saying it, but that's a great goal to yeah. achieve and try to achieve. It is. So, it is. And you know, why not? Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. It just seemed... I don't know. it. When I first heard the statement, I was like, 
Uh, man, I don't know about that. That's really a... I don't know why he wouldn't have said, right. say, Griffey. Something like that. Like, someone a little bit more modern right. that you were saying that, that brought that excitement to baseball because Griffey brought that right. excitement to baseball. Obviously, Jackie did, too, but it was a whole different situation. Entirely. Like, Jackie brought a lot more because the whole world was different back then. Entirely different. So, and that's... I get I, I get that part of it. Like, why not say someone a little bit more modern that brought excitement to and the And maybe that's where I kind of... Man, I went, like... I don't know, anybody comparing themselves to Jackie Robinson to me is, like, Jackie's in a different stratosphere for me. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so maybe that's where I'm like, man, I, I just don't like that comp. And I wish you would have, you said, chosen a Griffey. Maybe more modern, more relevant. But let's go to Donaldson, right? Like, you're not a beloved person for whatever reason. Like you're not, I mean, you're not. And I feel like it's okay if you have some kind of relationship with the person that you're making that comment to. And even if you're saying it in a trash talk competitive rivalry way, there needs to be a mutual respect of that competitive rivalry or else you are entirely off base. And my entire thought process when it comes to this is, what was the purpose of you saying that? Like, what what were you trying to accomplish? I got nothing. Right. I literally have nothing because I don't know what he was trying to accomplish. And and, and look, I'm going to catch flack for this also, I'm sure. But I also don't know how it's racist. I don't understand what saying "Hey Jackie" to him when he gets around to first base, and then when he comes around again later, you say it a second time to him, "Hey Jackie." Like, I I get you goading him, but I don't understand how it's racist. I also am a firm believer it's not necessarily what you say, but it's how you say it, and we don't know the tone mm-hmm. with which it was said. Right, context context matters a hundred percent of the time. Matters. I think inherently it could be seen as racist, but I I tend to agree with you. Like, there's a lot of other things that he could have said that would have been much more overtly racist. But oh, absolutely! But things that would be blatantly not like. It's really hard, and I don't I, like. I don't want to dig a hole that we can't get out of here. But the no, 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 yeah, I'm not, and I'm not saying. Here's the thing: I'm not saying it's not right. I'm saying. From an outsider looking in, and an outsider in every every shape and form in this position, I am not a professional athlete. I am not a professional baseball player. I am not black. Mm-hmm. So from every single way, I am an outsider right now in this situation. And just looking, I'm at it. saying, yeah. I don't understand. Yes, it. Look, I'm Jewish. If someone came up to, if someone came up to me and you know, went for the traditional Jewish last name or something like that. I could understand it, but if if I was playing baseball and if I was a pitcher and someone decided to you know call me by the only famous <laughs> Jewish pitcher in baseball history and someone saw me and said hey hey Sandy, I don't know how that's anti-Semitic. It just depends. I so think I'm missing on the tone. It, it's it's the context yeah. that I'm missing. It's the tone and the background. I don't know for sure the background of these right. two players regarding each other and their relationship. Yeah. And so 
to me right now, it's I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying I don't know how it is. And I, and I think that... But clearly... No, know, and it, it continues to go back to if you don't have that type of relationship, and Tim Anderson making that comment, sure, has probably invited some kind of talk in those regards. Not the racist regards, but, you know, like, if somebody calls him Jackie, I mean, he called himself Jackie first. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if he's like Jackie or like some kind of like tone that's just off color, I could see why Anderson reacted the way that he did. And so I just I think Donaldson would assert himself better by just keeping his mouth shut. I mean, because... There's a lot of it, Well, yeah, 100% of the time. But to use your example, right? If somebody were to call you, hey, Sandy, right? What are they drawing attention to? My amazing catching <laughs> ability, clearly. Yeah, maybe. But they're singling you out. You know what I'm saying? So it, it just... It, it doesn't smell right, is the whole context of it not knowing the context of it on the outside looking in, as you so eloquently put, it just doesn't seem necessary. And for as much as I can't stand Tim Anderson because he plays on the south side of Chicago, I really respect his game a lot more than I respect Josh Donaldson's game. Mm -hmm. So if I Mm -hmm. had to pick a corner on this one, I probably would side with old Timmy over there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna side with no matter what was behind the needling, I'm not gonna side with an instigator anyway. For sure. Usually, I mean, sometimes. Most of the time, there's rare case, there's rare occasions where I'm gonna side with the instigator. But in this situation, I just don't see the point mm-hmm. of it. If you want to give the guy crap for something, I mean, I guess you can find something else to give him crap about that isn't that couldn't be misconstrued as racist or properly construed as racist depending on what actually ends up happening in this situation but it's i'm not going to side with donaldson that's for that's for sure (laughs) it's just i'm still just confused in general by this whole scenario it just doesn't it just doesn't have a place in the game so it's like unnecessary entirely unnecessary i get it I don't know. I don't either. I'm looking forward to whatever they discover behind this whole yeah. thing. I, you know, I want to find out because right now what I've got right now is a third of a puzzle, and I can't even figure out what this puzzle is supposed right. to be. All right, let's have a little more Listen. fun. This this uh, this past weekend, we had the 2022 PGA Championship at Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And when we talked before this championship, we had talked mostly about Tiger Woods and his situation, and is he going to make the weekend? He made the weekend Barely. by the skin of his mm-hmm. teeth. Went from the late, so they, the way it works for Thursday and fr- and Friday is you're going to get both elements. So if you teed off in the morning on one day, you're teeing off in the afternoon the other day, just so that they you get this you get a fairness for both right. sides. And then after that, it becomes how you're, what your score is for when you tee off for the weekend. So Tiger teed off in the morning on Thursday, made it the afternoon on Friday. 
Didn't play well on Thursday, played a little better on Friday, made the cut by the skin of his teeth, which means you are now teeing off in the morning on Saturday because you are one of the worst players left in the field, according to your score. This is a man 18 months after a horrific car accident, completely destroyed his leg, almost lost the leg, thankfully kept the leg, and has worked his way back to being able to compete, quote-unquote, on the PGA Tour. AJ, I was really excited when the Masters came mm-hmm. around. I was less excited for the PGA Championship, but I was glad that he was going to be in the field. I am now at the point, after watching this poor man trying to walk a course called Southern Hills, where the very first hole is a tee shot and then a mountain you have to walk down to get to the fairway. Or at least it feels that way when you are hobbling on a recently repaired, mm-hmm. shattered leg. I am at the point where I don't want to see Tiger Woods in the field again until he can actually compete and not be in so much pain. I don't know if we'll see that. And here's the thing, Matt. Like, I was watching on Saturday, and I I mean, clearly he's in pain. I'm afraid for Tiger that he's going to continue to try to compete when he's not 100% and continue to just slip farther and farther into irrelevancy. And I I, I really don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they were talking after, I, th- I think it was Saturday night. Yeah, it, it was Saturday night, so it was the end of round three. How it takes him... I mean, it's 12, 13-hour days for him because it takes so long to get his body warmed up. And then, truthfully, I mean, we had a Charles Dickens kind of PGA championship. It was the best of times Thursday and Friday. It was the worst of times Saturday and Sunday because the weather shifted and the wind shifted and it got colder and it got windier on Saturday and Sunday. And, I mean, I don't have any of the significant injuries that Tiger has with the fusions in his back and the repaired leg and all those things but i can't imagine that the chilly weather made that feel good no definitely not to the point that he withdrew after the third round which i don't blame him for withdrawing after the third round no i'm, I'm glad, I'm glad he, he did too because you don't He's gonna hurt exactly himself. i just i'm 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 with you on this so i think that it's imperative that he maybe goes to some of these courses in his off time to test whether he is able to walk a full 18 for three, four days and then determine whether he's going to play in the tournament or not. Because I don't want to see him keep starting and stopping. I don't want to see him get injured anymore. And I don't want to see him fade into irrelevancy. I want him to remain the legend that he is in my mind. Right. This is part of what makes you a legend is your never say die Mm -hmm. attitude. And Tiger fully believes that he can come back and compete on the PGA tour right now. He's not, he's making the cut. I guess that's competing. But once he's made the cut, he is now one of the last names on the list that you are reading as far as score. That's not Tiger Woods competing. And 
the U.S. Open's in a month. It's in Brookline, Massachusetts. It's the the the, uh, the greatest game ever played. That movie with Shia LaBeouf and, uh, oh. and them. That's where this course. That's that's where they're. That's playing. one of my it's favorite movies. That has significance. I love that movie. So the, the course itself, though, to Tiger Woods, not anything that has any real significance. Not like obviously the Masters and Augusta National. Not like Southern Hills, where Tiger has won the PGA. This isn't a major U.S. Open course like Pebble Beach or something like that for Tiger. The Open Championship is a different story. That's a month later. I would prefer him to skip the U.S. Open altogether. Keep rehabbing and keep working on getting that leg healthy. If you are gonna, if you are determined to keep playing in majors, and you're not gonna just take the rest of the year off, I would prefer him to take the next month off and have that extra month to prepare for the Open Championship at, at what is it? Is it the old course, right? I don't think so. Or is it just St Andrews? I, it's a hundred. It's 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 a big. I'm, I'm blanking now. All That's okay. I. I... I, but I would prefer that. I remember it didn't sound like on the broadcast. I know they mentioned it, and I can't remember either, but um, it didn't sound like it was the old course. It didn't even sound like it was at St. Andrews. It, they're in Ireland somewhere. Oh, it's going to drive us nuts, so go ahead and look <laughs> it up. But while you're talking about that, let's talk about – or while you're looking that yeah, up, I'm let's talk about up. Justin Thomas, right? Because – if I'm not mistaken, did you not kind of peg him as... Yep, St. Andrews. Oh, it is at St. Andrews. Okay. It's at St. Andrews, yeah. He's going to go to Ireland. I mean, it's Scotland. He's going to go to Scotland, and he's going to play in, at St. Andrews. Yeah. Because it won't go back to St. Andrews right. for another four years, and he'll be 50 right. at that point, won't he? Skip the U.S. Yeah, if you're Tiger Woods, you have to. Take that time, to. heal some more. You have to. You have to. You absolutely have to. Listen to your people. Listen to the rehabbers, mm-hmm. all the doctors, everyone you're working with, your team that you love to tout so much nowadays. Listen to yeah. them and don't push yourself to where you are going to take yourself out completely. Nope. Because none of us want that. But, man, we had a pretty exciting finish. All right. On yeah, to the good there side. We, go. <laughs> we had we had a ridiculous finish, thanks in, in, in large part to Pereira having a Phil Mickelson at winged foot meltdown on 18. AJ, if I'm ever leading a tournament and I'm in the final group and I am leading by one shot on 18 and I pull out my driver. Break it. You punch me in the face. No, no take it out of your... No, 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 don't break the driver. No, 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 no. You, no, no, don't break the driver because I got to pay for that. Just punch <laughs> me in the face. I'll get the message and I'll put it back in the bag and I will grab a five wood. <laughs> All right? Because, damn it, what are you doing, Pereira? You have this well in hand. All you It's not an easy hole. It's for not sure. an easy hole. I get that. 18 is a hard hole. But all you got to do is par it. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is par it, and you have length. You are a PGA professional. You can hit a 7-iron from 200 yards out. It's not that big of a deal for you guys like it is for us where I got to pull you know, a 4-iron a well, out do. or something like that. You have this ability. So just put yourself in a safe yes. spot in the middle of the yes. fairway. And this man just puts a swing on that looks like it has the Charles Barkley oh, hitch I in it. Oh, I saw that. Oh, my <laughs> and, goodness. And his follow-through, he went from a golf swing in his takeaway to a baseball swing in his follow-through. It was, And that ball went right in the water. You, Like you said, you have to have a fairway finder. That's it. 
Get in the short grass. If you're 250 yards back, guess what? Get it up close to the green, chip up, tap in for par, and call it a day. But man, oh man, why his caddy? I'm with you. Let him pull that big dog out of the bag and swing away is beyond beyond me. But it led to a three-hole playoff with Justin Thomas and Zalatoris. Which I'm a big fan of. I am of. too. I, I, like, I like the aggregate playoff. Yeah. If you're not going to give me a whole day of 18, another 18 like the U.S. Open, give me give the me aggregate and then sudden death if you need it. For, yeah, I, the three-hole playoff is an incredible addition. I Like you said, I much prefer the full 18 a la Rocco Mediate and Tiger Woods back in, what was that, 2008, I think it was. Yeah, that's always more fun. But these one-hole, I mean, anybody can hit a bad tee shot, and then they're done. Mm-hmm. Give me three mm-hmm. holes. Give them yeah, a chance. give them a chance. Yep. So it was great. And did you pick Justin Thomas when we talked last week? He was one of the guys I named that I, I had a good feeling about. What didn't feel that good about it after Saturday, but I had a good feeling about before the actual PGA Championship took I'll off. I'll tell you what, man. I was feeling real good after Thursday seeing Rory up there. And then he had mm-hmm. trouble on the weekend. But that... After Friday, too. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. That, that was the sixth hole, par three, 200 and thing was 208 yards but it was like a miserable tee shot just oh that looks so brutal i was so glad i was not out there playing that would have been just (laughs) disgusting but congratulations to jt a phenomenal come from behind win i think it's one of the largest comeback wins in pga championship history it is the third largest largest. yeah one of yep Tied for the third large one. It was he has seven shots behind going into the day. He actually was eight shots behind at one point in the day. But I don't think the, I don't know if they count that as part of the comeback or not. But yeah, it is for the yeah the third largest comeback in major championship history. It's the 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 first the first overtime whatever first playoff in a major since the 2017 Masters uh, when Sergio beat Justin Rose. Talk about good versus evil in that. You know what's one. weird to me? It's <laughs> right. This is only his second major. It's funny because I I think of the the storm of young players that happened after Tiger's injury and controversial whole situation. And Rory was the first one, and Rory went boom, 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 boom. Rory won a bunch of majors. And then all of a sudden, it was there was Dustin Johnson, there was Jordan Spieth, there was Justin Thomas, there was the you know the Morikawa. There was these young bloods that came in, and they started knocking down all these majors. And I don't know, somehow, somehow lost in the shuffle, I thought Justin Thomas already had two or three. Oh. I thought he was already a multi-time, you know, major mm-hmm. winner. So when I when he wins it, and then like, or his second major, I was like, his second one? Yeah, right. <laughs> I thought he already had three or four of these. And But for, for it to be a PGA championship again, and for Justin Thomas, his father is a PGA teaching okay. pro. So there's, we talked about this when yeah. we were talking about the history of the Let's golf thing, Arnold Palmer and his dad being a PGA mm-hmm. pro. So there's, I'm sure there's some extra special significance for, for Justin being involved in this one. Bones, Phil's former right. caddy, getting to be on the bag and winning another yeah. major. It it was a heck of a, it was a heck of a playoff too. Will Zalatoris, great young 
player and had a great interview afterwards where, you know, he feels like he's close and his time will come. And I hope it does because he mm-hmm. is close and he's right there and he's playing great golf and he didn't play poorly in the playoffs. Just, but just Justin Thomas just yeah. took it. He just absolutely took it with those first two holes. And now you got to scramble to find a way to birdie the, the 18th hole, which is nigh on impossible. Right. Yeah, I, it's exciting. I Like I said, like Wednesday, I think it was or Thursday when we, we published the show. The PGA Championship is not one of my favorite tournaments. I don't know why. I just... No, I mean, we can be honest. It's the it's the fourth of the four it, For a reason. And so I'm more excited about the U.S. Open coming in a month, and especially since it's being played at the course of The Greatest Game, which is one of my favorite movies. That and Legend of Bagger Vance. I think, you know what, Matt? We need to do another DSN at the movies, and we need to do golf movies. And we need to talk about golf. There aren't that many. There's there's enough to get a show out of Legend of Bagger Vance. We got the two you just named. Yes, we got those two. Caddyshack. Tin Cup. Tin Cup. Greatest game ever played. That's that's four. Happy Gilmore. (laughs) Come on, man. Happy Gilmore. That's five right there. That's a show in and of itself. There we go. That's next. On tap. For the next straight shooting will be DSN at the movies, golf movies. You heard it here first. You gotta find a few more. Alright, it's time to go. <laughs> We're getting crazy. Yep. Alright. We we we've we've ran our we've ran our gamut for this show, so thank you for hanging out with us on Straight Shooting. He's AJ Riley. I'm Matt Basson. We'll see you guys again real soon. You know I be on the way.